people shouldn't get into sales or into a commercial environment unless you're prepared to to take a few bangs on the nose, a few rejections, a few doors slammed in your face, metaphorically speaking. Welcome to the Step Change Podcast with me, Mike Foster, the Entrepreneur's Mentor. Now, my podcast is a series of thoughts to help you with the development of your own business and to make that step change often needed. And I'm delighted to welcome back for part two of our conversation, Nick Hughes, the Dynamic Sales Coach. And if you joined us a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about that hot topic of sales in your business, and Nick was sharing his expertise, knowledge, and experience around this same topic. So, Nick, welcome back. Thank you again. So for those that uh, didn't join us for the first part, um, I obviously encourage them to go back and listen to part one because there was some great tips, but just quickly give us a view of what it is you do. So uh, Dynamic Sales Coach is a business which we set up, uh, which really helps businesses focus on uh, sales development. So it is around coaching and mentoring businesses to grow that top line, be bold, be brave, challenge themselves, but also to challenge it profitably as well. So it's a combination of sales and margin management, but uh, really start to start pushing the envelope. Brilliant. And in that first part, we talked very much around strategy. We talked about the pandemic post and uh, pre and post pandemic. We talked about the customer journey, how much we focus on new or existing customers. We talked about how to qualify leads, etc. And one of the things, that you, you know, as I alluded to, we talked about the customer journey. And one of the things I talked to my clients about is that movement from consideration to purchase stage. So what are your tips that you would share to help businesses maximize their conversion from when somebody's considering to when they're going to purchase from them? Um, <clears throat> I think it's going to be, for me, it's around, we touched on this in the earliest, the previous um, uh, episode around questioning. And it, it's quite difficult to get people who are uncertain to move from consideration to, um, to to purchase. But it's about giving them that, from my perspective anyway, certainly about giving them that reassurance to whether it is a significant purchase of a product or a service or that it's an investment in the business. But really painting that picture of what does it look like post. If they make that consideration to move to purchase uh, and to move the sales forward, what are they actually going to get at the end? And it's the old sales adage of, of painting painting the picture. What does it look like post uh, the event and making the purchase, whether that's investment in coaching with yourself, Mike, or whether that is um, people buying a new washing machine or a new kitchen. You know, the, the past masters are people like kitchen salespeople, car salesmen around what does it look like on your drive? What does it look like in your house? And it is about painting that picture. It's giving people that um, um, mental image that, yeah, you can have this, whether it's support or whether it's business services, but actually what is the benefit it's going to give people? Mm. One of the things I'm certainly seeing in the market right now is that people are trying to ramp up their sales, rebuild that pipeline that we were talking about in part one. Um, So people are considering the hire of a salesperson. So, you know, when you would be talking to someone about a business considering to hire their salesperson, have you got some questions they'd be asking? Maybe your top five questions that they may be asking? Asking a sales, uh, uh, in a recruitment perspective, you're saying? Yeah. Um, existing performance is, is really important, um, but that needs to be challenged because generally salespeople will over-exaggerate, let's say. Um, uh, the other top question is why they think they're suitable for the role. It's a really obvious question, but when you start to probe people's motivations for being a salesperson, it, a lot of people fall into sales. I was originally one of those people, but actually fell in love with it after a couple of years. Um, so I'll be asking people, what's their motivation uh, to why they want to do what they do? And what's the journey that it, this is taking them on? How does it enhance their life? Um, and through that, if someone's happy in their sales role and happy to be challenged by the numbers and happy to work in a, an uncomfortable environment at times, 
they should be good a, a good salesperson, a good fit, because it's not all plain sailing, as people will think. A um, couple of other questions I would probably look at as well is what does their um, what does what does their journey look like at the end? So we speak sometimes around you know, what does it look like for a business in three, four, or five years' time? What's their perception of where do they want to be in three, four, five years' time? And sometimes managing expectations, salespeople will say things around, I want to be the sales director in three years, but I only started in sales last week. Um, is that achievable? Possibly. But we're going to have the problems managing someone's expectations within that. So I think the traditional ways of sell me a pen, all the, all the stuff that we've all seen down the years is, is long gone might be appropriate in some cases but let's understand more around the person their motivations for for wanting the role uh, wanting to work for your business um and what is it they think they can bring to the party beyond the stock answers mm. and, it, and is is sales a skill or is it a behavior or is it something that's within everybody each and every one of us i truly believe everybody has it in them i think that will get everybody to a level and i think then when you go beyond that level there is an element of uh, commerciality, commercial acumen. Um, there's a lot of emotional intelligence um, which comes into play. Um, but everybody has the ability um, to sell something at some level. And yeah, it can, it can change uh, quite dramatically within people's careers. You can have people who hit mental blocks um, as a salesperson, usually because of how they've been managed or coached, but then unearthing their, their moments or their... Uh, the bit that makes them who they are, then they start to flourish again. And I've seen this with a couple of people where they've been managed or coached in a particular way, and all of a sudden they've gone from being an average performer to a fantastic performer. Some of it is confidence-based, some of it is about uh, other stuff, but emotional intelligence plays a huge, huge part for me, for the, for, the, for the people who are exceptionally good at it, people who can see and read situations and also manage uh, themselves within those situations as well. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, the guests were Sally Green and Sam Burkett, who have their own podcast, Marketing Meanders, and you were a guest on their podcast as well um, a few months ago now, which is one of one of the, the best podcasts I've listened to for a long time. And in that, you talked about the relationship between the sales team and the marketing team. Mm -hmm. So can I just get you to just expand on that a little bit in terms of how you see that? My love-hate relationship. <laughs> um, so I was a self-confessed hater of the marketing team up until about... 12, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, maybe. Um, they produced lovely, fluffy things, um, wasted a lot of time, spent a lot of money on it. And then I had a bit of an epiphany with a, uh, a business I was working in. Fantastic um, uh, marketeer came in and really started to align um, sales and marketing working together. It's probably one of the few businesses, if you listen to the, to the, uh, to the podcast, I think I reference it's probably one of the few businesses I've seen or worked in where it really did start to align. And the, 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 this was around the time of the recession. And actually that business came out of the recession um, with greater market share than what it went into the recession with and took market share away from its clients, obviously. Um, but in relation to the, the, the general relationship between sales and marketing, I refer to it as this um, um, sort of broken relationship where in theory they're on the same path, they're on the same trajectory, but at different times. So marketing will be working at a much faster pace, or sorry, further out on a timescale, and sales are working much closer to the to the quota and the budget in that in that month and in that quarter. Um, how do how do I see that evolving? I think over the last certainly seven or eight years, excluding the pandemic, it's been difficult to to see this. There's been this emergence of the sales and marketing manager team, 
as we've gone through the pandemic, what I've seen um, and I've been exposed to myself as a, as a, as a purchaser, as, a, as an end user, is much more agile salespeople and marketers who are rolled into one. If you can find that skill set in one person, and I don't think it exists off the shelf, it has to be rolled into, into one. That's where the real powerful opportunities lie for individuals, but also for businesses as well. Because you've got that alignment between between the two, and it's it's difficult from a salesperson perspective to, to sometimes get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've, I've certainly, in my own experience, has seen the the actually sometimes the different goals that you know the marketing team have got their campaign, what they're trying to strive in terms of maybe bring leads into a funnel that the sales team aren't necessarily going to be able to manage in terms of that time frame. Like, interesting, you say about the the different timelines, etc. Now we network um, together quite often, um, and you know my f- mantra in terms of uh, networking is people buy people. Yeah. But from a sales perspective, how important is that? Um, is it really just about people buying people and the relationship, or is it more to do with the product knowledge, or is it more to do with the sales skills, or is it a blend? I think it's a bit of a blend. So the the old adage of people buy from people in sales. I completely, I completely agree with, but all the evidence will show um, over the last 20, 30 years that purchasers' um, uh, decision-making process has changed. And actually, the relationship-led, and I'll, I'll clarify this in a second, let a relationship-led sales gen- tendly tends to be the most abused relationship in, in, in the commercial world, either way, either by the salesperson or by the, by the consumer. What the clients or what customers are generally looking for is somebody who is you know, a, a reasonable person. I can have a reasonable relationship with them, but they bring something that enhances my business, whether that is price, product, service, um, technical knowledge, marketing uh, insights. And the person who brings all of that to the fore generally outperforms the relationship salesperson, somebody who takes the client for lunch every Friday afternoon, takes them to the golf, um, takes them for a meal once a year, sends them a bottle of wine. It's all forgotten in the annals, what people really remember, as the evidence was, uh, seems to tend and show us, is the person who provides those marketing insights, what's going on at the competition, where do they see the market going, where do their business see the market going. They thrive a lot more than the salesperson. Uh, the salesperson, sorry, who re- thrives on relationship. And you, you'll, you, I think we might have discussed this the past, you certainly hear me say it, Mike, that the old salesperson who is of an age now, who who really traded on their relationship of knowing everybody, very insular, kept all the, all the contact details to themselves in their little black book, who are not prepared to share with the rest of the business. is a bit of a dying breed now um, because of technology's moved on with CRM and how we market and how people have to share data um, within the confines of a business. Um, it sort of enhances that part of these key account management skills about people need to be involved at certain times for certain things. And actually the relationship, just had one, one final point, is that, that relationship salesperson very often keeps people at, at bay from within the business. So people with the technical expertise, people with um, the finance expertise, whereas the newer breed over the last 10, 15 years of salesperson or account manager or however you want to phrase it, is somebody who will bring in the right person with those right attributes at the right time for the client. So if it's finance, whether it's technical, whether it's operations um, or supply chain. And whilst I'm, whilst I'm talking about networking, um, you know, we, we did some research from my networking group in terms of why people network. And, you know, it might be for building uh, relationships and collaborations. It may be for finding suppliers. It may be for just socialising. But still, the vast majority are there to win new business or find, find more customers, et cetera. So have you got any tips, if you like, to help people that are networking sort of speed up 
to their expectation, if you like, the conversion to return on investment. Yeah, I'm not proud of this. I'll steal somebody else's idea. Um, a guy called Andy Bounds. Um, Andy Bounds, um, very clear in his book, um, um, Jelly, identify before you go to this network, for your networking meetings, who are the two or three people in that room that can really make a difference to you in your business and your journey. And I read his book a number of years ago, met him a couple of times, and I'd try, I'd try and stick to that mantra. So understand who's in the room before you get there, understand about them and their business, and make a targeted beeline for those. And then it might change every networking meeting that actually you work your way around the room, as opposed to blindly going into a room and just hoping to have a conversation with someone. It, it's not too hard to understand who's going to be there and walk up to someone, hi, I'm such and such, I believe you're X and your business is Y. I'd like to understand a little bit more about it, if you could, please. The ice is broken, and that's the hardest part is in networking is breaking the ice for people. And you see people cowering in the corner of the room and you try and entice them in a bit. Mm-hmm. You, you touched on uh, fear, and um, quite a lot of people, I think, when it relates to sales, brings up a lot of fear in people. And one of those biggest fears I see related to sales is making calls, <clears throat> uh, perhaps because I say that's positioned in their own mind incorrectly as a sales call, or they perhaps avoid the call and like to go for the easy option of sending another email. So how can you, you know, what tips have you got to help people feel more comfortable about making calls, let's say? Um, it's a mindset and the people shouldn't get into sales or into a commercial environment unless you're prepared to to take a few, um, a few bangs on the nose, a few rejections, a few doors slammed in your face, metaphorically speaking. And if that's your mindset initially, there's a bit of work that can be done to help people overcome that. But it's a bit its a bit like going out on a Friday, Saturday night, and you see somebody you like on the other side of the bar, and you've got to pluck up the courage to go and ask them for a date, or can you buy them a drink, or can you have a dance with them? You know, the old the old way of doing things instead of on, on the internet these days. Um, but we overcome our fear of reje- rejection in many cases um, in, in that case. And sales is no different. Um, but actually pushing it off and pushing the... The um, it pushed out to an email in some ways is slightly impersonal to me. Picking the phone up and explaining to someone that you just like 20 seconds at a time to explain something, and if it's not for them or I've got the wrong person, you'll, you'll, you'll leave them alone. And most people I've found will, will gladly do that. You'll get the odd person who'll say, no, go away, don't, don't bother me again, but they've not actually heard what you're saying. But if you can get that first 20-second 20 20 introduction, it's a good start. Mm. Yeah, and... Uh... The, the reference you make about the door slamming, that was something I used to always say to my team in Barclays was, uh, you know, you've got to be prepared to have three doors slammed in your face and still knock on the fourth door. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, it's going to hit that mindset piece that you talked about. And talking about mindset, um, how much do you believe that the belief in someone's product and service impacts on their sales? Quite significantly, because I've always been of the mantra that if you don't believe in what you're standing there doing, whether it's a product or service or or what we both do these days. If you haven't got that belief in yourself or in, or in the product, you, you, you don't hide into nothing, to pardon, pardon the phrase. Um, it makes the job really difficult. Your mindset is in the wrong place. As soon as you get out of bed in the morning, you've got to enjoy it. Um, whether you're selling cars, water, tables, microphones, whatever it is, it's got to be your passion. Because once it becomes your passion, it becomes so, so much easier to do. And you can see this with people really engrossed in what they do. And people's passions change. So it could be glasses today. It could be cars today. But then things change and you progress into into different avenues and different experiences. But I think unless you have a real passion for the product or service that you have, 
you, you will struggle. And people can see that. Customers can see right through. You're just here to sell me a box of service and then move on. Um, whereas you really, truly believe in what you do. People pick up on that. Yeah, I see that all the time. Oh, we're coming towards the end of part two. Um, so again, may, may need to be part three in, in due course. But just to finish off uh, this episode, what tips would you give to people to improve their sales in the future? Um, number one, uh, clearly identify who your market is and your customer. And we talk about avatars and sales from time to time. We work quite hard with, with clients about what it, who is it you really want? Who is your ideal customer? Research where, that's, where that ideal customer is and how they operate, um, create um, a plan, whether it's a sales plan or whether it's just a one-page presentation of how your business can solve their pain or their pain points. Uh, and then be bold, pick the phone up, go and see someone, knock on a few doors, metaphorically speaking in this world where everything is digital or significantly digital these days. Um, and I wouldn't say pester, I don't like the word pester, but be professional. And if somebody is not responding to you, okay, change your approach and politely say we'll move on elsewhere. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Nick. Thanks for sharing your further advice with us in this part two. Um, as I say, if people missed part one, um, there's loads of value to to tune back into that one a couple of weeks ago. Um, if people want to touch base with you, find out a little bit more about how you can help as the dynamic sales coach, how do they contact you? A couple of ways. and Probably the best way is um, either through the website, uh, dynamiccoach.co.uk, sorry, dynamiccoachgroup.co.uk, I should say, uh, or LinkedIn, you'll find me as uh, Nick Hughes, um, Dynamic Sales Coach. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Nick. Um, and uh, do you recommend to the listeners that if you have some need of some support with your sales strategy or your coaching of your team, then please do pick up the phone and have a conversation with Nick. Great. Thank you much. So you've been listening to the Step Change podcast with me, Mike Foster, the Entrepreneur's Mentor, and as you've heard, my guest, Nick Hughes, the Dynamic Sales Coach today. As I say, my podcast is here to help you with the development of your own business. So please do subscribe to my uh, podcast via one of your favorite channels and um, you'll be one of the first to know when I le- release my next episode.